Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Christina. I'm Mike. And today we are joined by Haley Simkis from Brandy Lane Publishers. Say hello to the listeners, Haley. Hello, listeners and Christina and Mike. I am Haley. <laughs> Very organic. Christina, what is this episode to be about? <laughs> well... <laughs> Dear friend of mine, comma, whose name is Haley, comma, I have, I see, I can't even fake or, uh, inorganic dialogue. <laughs> like, it's too hard. <laughs> anyway, if you listen to How Do I Book because you follow Wildling or you're trying to become a better author or writer, Haley is an extremely skilled editor that I've been working with for many, many years, whose opinion I respect Perhaps more than any other editor that I've ever worked with. Aw, shucks. If you listen to How Do I Book because you follow me as a podcaster and you listen to my other podcast, you know Haley. Hi, guys. (laughs) They told me to behave this time. We, (laughs) I stopped the intro to be like, as a reminder, behave. (laughs) We only had a few small rules. Just a few. And I said I would do my best, so I'm doing my best. I got the bleep ready. I am the bleep. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to need you to be really on top of it. <laughs> Mike, are you looking at my notes? I am. Okay, l- we're going to do a little role play. I'm going to be Sarah and you can be father, okay? Do you want me to read the all of it? I'm going to be Sarah and you be father. Get okay. head in the game, Mike. <laughs> I'll follow your lead. Father, I did not know you were there in the kitchen, I said. I see, he responded. Well, Sarah, I have just come in from the garden. I do not know why you did not see me. Okay, <laughs> so... Was that I awkward wrote, enough? It's really, it's really bad. Well, okay. it's the kind of, just like when Haley was trying to kind of um, spitball some bad dialogue. When, it's hard to do it bad on purpose. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. when you're doing it out loud, because when you're talking out loud, you're talking out loud like a normal person. Right. That spoils my last tip on this list is my very last tip is read your read your dialogue. You know, it's it's important enough that I think we can say it at the beginning and the end and have it uh, bracket the episode. Such good advice. Let's say it twice. Hey, I invented that. I just invented that. (laughs) You're a poet. You didn't know it. Oh, my God. I just invented that. Oh, my God. That's new. I've never heard that before. It sounded like you were trying to make it rhyme, but it didn't. <laughs> I did just watch Pineapple Express last night where they say couscous. The food's so nice, they named it twice, which is what I based. So I did kind of steal it. Anyway, nice. organic dialogue. Haley, how many manuscripts, what percentage of the manuscripts that you get just like raw at Brandy Lane, because Brandy Lane, like us here at Wilding, or accepts unsolicited manuscripts. How many of them do you think have inorganic dialogue? 
Hmm. Like a rough percentage. Rough percentage. I'm going to go with 83. 83 sounds about right. Mm -hmm. Accurate. The books that you work on, do you have to make comments to make the dialogue more organic? Like most of the time or like not much of the time or like all of the time? It's noteworthy when I don't. No, yeah. Yeah. I would like, agree with there, that as well. I have one project that like I started working with very recently where like the author isn't isn't perfect. They have a few things that they get hung up on, but their dialogue is absolutely stellar and I can mm-hmm. forgive everything else. It's See, nothing else bothers thing. me because the dialogue is there. <laughs> that's the thing. And I think that fans of certain kind of movies will understand this. Like for example, Quentin Tarantino is like the first director that comes to mind who produces movies where like even if the plot is not interesting to you or very confusing to you, you can hear the dialogue that he's written and these wonderful actors who perform it. And that makes each scene engaging, you know? Yeah, I could not tell you what Pulp Fiction is about, but I can tell you what's going on in Sam Jackson's first scene which i can't quote because i promised to behave (laughs) (laughs) i think we can assume some of the language used (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's there's one word in particular that comes up every other word (laughs) (laughs) yeah so in organic dialogue uh, i think they say about porn right that it's hard to define but i know it when i see it yeah it's it's hard to be like this is this will make your dialogue bad, but it's much easier, especially as an editor, to look at some dialogue and be like, whew, that's bad. So I'll agree with you that like most books that I work on need the dialogue shaken up a little bit, just like settled. Definitely. I love when on a first edit, I can tell an author, I need your help making the dialogue more organic. And they're like, okay, cool. I see your examples. I see what you mean. And they do it. Sometimes you got to go in and do it for them. And both both are fine. That's what editors are for. Yeah, I think it's like also noteworthy that like if you're trying to get a book published, there are some editors out there who justifiably will reject a manuscript on bad dialogue alone. Like dialogue mm-hmm. indicates that good dialogue indicates good voice, a good command of voice, a good command of storytelling. So if you want to be a published author and your dialogue is not quite there. Weak. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's weak. Then this is something that you are going to want to work on because good dialogue is going to greatly improve your chances. Yeah. And another part of that is dialogue represents so much about your characters. Like think about how much the things you say and the way you say them make up who you are as a person kind of a lot right kind of everything everyone knows about you yeah there's how you look and how you act and those are the other two but i think that what you say is perhaps the most you know people are like your actions speak louder than your words i don't in books i don't know if that's the words speak pretty loudly (laughs) so if you are not giving your characters not only organic dialogue, but dialogue that is organic to them, you're losing out on like half of your character development. And that might be another reason that your manuscript may get rejected because they can't get a good grasp on your character. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Rule number one, and I do have to fix this in just about every book, both in the narrative, but it's so much more important in the dialogue. Use contractions. Please. Mm-hmm. Please. Just so we're on the same page, a contraction is saying don't instead of do not. It's saying uh, can't instead of cannot. Or some other ones. I, I'm so bad at example. Oh, I'll just look at what I wrote here. It's instead of it is. Won't instead of will, will not. not. That's, a, that's always a weird one. Yeah, I think it's too just remembering how you actually talk to your friends. Or, you know, you don't really say do not and cannot and it is. You right, know, yeah. You really do. You, you use contractions when you when you speak to with your friends. So that's how you should write. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, even if you're writing something that's kind of got like a historical bent or like it's supposed to be like a formal space opera type situation, anything where... You might be thinking, but they wouldn't use contractions. They would use some contractions. Well, or, or like you're if you're writing a book where every single speaker in your world does not use contractions, that's insufferable. You've created an insufferable world. Yeah. yeah. If you have this world and like the butler doesn't use contractions, fine, whatever. That's Don't a give defining him like characteristic time. for that character exactly. specifically, especially yeah. a butler. Like that's a great example. The butler doesn't use contractions. I'm reading Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea right now, and there's a very funny butler who would never dare use a contraction. <laughs> See, perfect. <laughs> How undignified. <laughs> uh, this sometimes, you know, for every rule, there's an exception. I think that a good exception to the contractions rule is when uh, people are doing emphasis. So, like, I don't know where your hat is could escalate very quickly to Haley. I do not know where your hat is. Yes, but where is it? Where is it, though? (laughs) I know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So know that that's what you're doing. If you don't use a contraction in your character's dialogue, you're making a choice that they are either pompous or being kind of sarcastic or mad. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That's a choice you're making. Yes. Or worse, it's clear that you made no choice and you're not really paying attention. Yeah. Like the thing that is going to lose a reader and this goes for like any part and any element of writing is if they don't feel like, you know what you're doing, they can know for a fact that you are lying to them about something in the story, that there is something they don't know. That's kind of the whole mystery genre. That's what a book is. Yeah, like, <laughs> but as long as they feel like you have a grasp on your role as the narrator and each of these characters as individuals, then they will be willing to keep going along with you because they trust that you know what you're doing. If you aren't using purposeful language everywhere, but dialogue especially, then it doesn't look like you're paying attention to where you're going. It's like being in a car with somebody who is not looking at the road. That's a great way to put it, Haley. And I totally back you up. You must write your books on purpose. Yes. You must. It's so much work. Why would you not? Yeah, and we can tell, editors can tell when you did some stuff by accident. And you know what? When you start working with your editor, it's totally okay if you just wrote some things by accident. This happens to me as a writer. An editor highlights something and was like, what are you trying to say here? And you're like, I don't remember. (laughs) That's what an editor is for. (laughs) But do your best to take every sentence with intent. Yes. Uh, Another huge hallmark of a novice writer who needs an editor is don't characters don't say each other's names. And I want to take that back a step. Human beings in conversation don't say each other's names. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Unless it's for emphasis. Unless it's for emphasis, like Christina. Michael. Christina. I was getting to that. <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I never, whenever, I just always think of Jackie Burkhart from that 70s show. <laughs> you know, I don't like space, Michael. <laughs> I, like, honestly, I think the reason people do that is because they're trying to avoid using dialogue tags, which I am what? sure we'll also get spoiler to. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It ties in with it because that's another one of the big ones. Because, yeah. like, if you're trying not to use dialogue tags so you just want to indicate who's saying what to whom, by using the names in the dialogue, that's so much more confusing and it sounds inorganic because, as Christina said, no one talks like that. Okay, and I want to I wanna do a quick little exercise, Haley, if you don't mind. I want us to have a brief exchange in which we say each other's name every single utterance that we do. So, Haley, I would like you to tell me about the last time you went on a walk, if you don't mind. Well, Haley. Christina, it was uh, earlier today, in fact. Uh, I Oh, indeed, Haley. The weather was very nice today. Yes, Christina. It really, it really was. Uh, in fact, when I ran into you, Christina, and Brooke, uh, well, I say ran into Christina, and I had made a plan with Brooke, to meet Indeed, at the Haley, park. I do remember. <laughs> Michael, do you awful. want to jump in on no, this? I don't. Oh, d- Michael, are you not are you not comfortable okay. with the improv? <laughs> no, I'm gonna I, sign out now. <laughs> <laughs> I think something that's telling is that I felt compelled in my final utterance there to take on a pompous British accent and say indeed, because that's like how silly it feels to be saying somebody's name the whole time you're talking to them. It, like, yeah. it, somehow it reminds me of fucking uh, Jeopardy, where you have to like phrase each answer like a question. Like it, it feels uh, unnatural doing feels bad. it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing, since this is an audio format, when you're listening to me and Haley go back and forth like that, you don't need our names because you can hear the sounds of our voices. And I would like to argue, bear with me here, when you are reading a book, you should also be able to hear the sounds of their voices. You Agreed. feel me? You Agreed. feel me? A hundred percent agree. This leads me to our next point, which is that different characters speak differently. So as we mentioned before, like writing organic dialogue There's like blanket stuff like the rules we've described and some that we'll go back to because I skipped it because (laughs) natural flow of conversation. But like if you read a transcript of me, Mike and Haley talking, like if you read three different transcripts, you know, we're all good friends. I, I think that I would be able to choose whose transcript was whose without there being a name on it. Right. Like you because your speech patterns. Yeah. It's the fact that even if we sound similar just because we mirror each other in a lot of ways and like we have a lot of the same background, like we do have very similar diction. But just by the fact that every line would clearly show that this is a different person talking and the order in which we're talking and what we're talking about would all combine where you would be able to tell who was who pretty reliably. Yeah, I I totally agree. You know, not on the first page, but once you get going on your book, your characters should start really forming themselves. 
Y'all know that the, when you're reading like the first 10 pages of a book and sometimes you're like, cool, I'm in this. Like Percy Jackson's like, come along with me on a story. And you're like, I'm with you. But sometimes you read the first 10 pages of a book and you're like, what on earth is happening right are now? Are we on earth right now? Right? No, Who are no, you people? Exactly. What are you people? I said what on earth because I was trying desperately not to swear. But sometimes on page 10 of a book, you're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so beyond just like the way that people talk, like some people have speech impediments, some people stutter, some people talk so much all the time. Some people just kind of like wait. Some people ramble. Some people talk in very short clipped statements. Mm-hmm. I was about to say some people talk with an ellipsis, like me. <laughs> you know, no, you, you text dot, with dot, an dot. ellipsis. That's I different. do. <laughs> There's a pause. You know, it's like just give me a second to gather what I just said, and I'm now I'm going to continue. <laughs> <laughs> but that mirrors something that that's you feel real, like you do in real yeah, life because you, sometimes you do kind of trail off, kind of leaving an opening <laughs> in the conversation, and then. Mm-hmm. You do continue because that's another big thing about the way people talk is what they don't say. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what people Ooh, yeah. reveal when they speak is less than half of the story because everything that you say has some kind of omission, some kind of thing that you're leaving out, some kind of thing that's on your mind that is connected to this, but only in your head. And you know that. And you're just not bringing it up in the conversation because it's going to make no sense to anyone else. But every character that has a speaking role should have enough of an inner life that sometimes, like, if something is just, like, really eating away at them, it'll kind of come out in their conversation. Like, everyone's in a good mood right now, but that guy seems pissed off. And Mm -hmm. so that tells us something about this character. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that is something else that I comment a lot in my edits is is exactly that. Like if if a character is like saying the exact that, you know, I'm just feeling a little put out and trying to keep keep control of my anger because I know it's not his fault. But he did brush me off earlier today and I'm just trying to pro- it, like that's boring. No one wants to like hear you do like a little like self-therapy session like people don't generally don't like just talk like that yeah they they don't like they don't speak in a straight line when it comes to their feelings especially when it comes to their feelings like people people talk around things like something circling a drain like and that's why good dialogue is so good like that's why that's why really good dialogue is like not about what's happening. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like not about what is literally happening. And that's what makes it so difficult. Yeah, exactly. And I wish I could think of some really excellent examples. But you know that feeling when you're trying to look, think of a book you read and it's like you never read a book before in your life? Yes. <laughs> well, that leads us into my next point, Haley, which is like when you're writing organic dialogue, you're don't like make it messy Whoa, right. stop. Did you hear what I just did there? I, w- I said, when you're writing organic dialogue, you need to. And then I said, like, don't. And then I said, like, dot, 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 make it messy. And that's a messy. That was a messy, uh, like, sentence that I just said, because that's how people speak. Yes. <laughs> they speak mm-hmm. in a way that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, yeah, we're, we're always kind of editing as we talk. Like, I just did it right there. I, I stuttered over 
we, I studied, o- stuttered over I, I stuttered over stuttered. Like <laughs> if that was written down in dialogue in a transcript of this conversation, that would be so boring. Oh my God. And that's actually why transcribing speech is such a huge pain in the ass because it's full of that BS. It is full of it. And you're like, growing angry at your friends that you run a podcast with because they speak so all over the place and you're like, I can't form a sentence here. Yeah. That's actually um, just like an interesting point here is that linguistically a sentence is like written down complete sentence. Talking in complete sentences is for writing in linguistics. They call spoken. The spoken equivalent is called an utterance because so much of the time they're not complete sentences because they're not sentences, Mm-mm. it's utterances. And like only you kind of, as you're going and the people you're talking to can kind of like feel where those utterances like end and the next one begins, but it's super, super m- so much messier than a written sentence, you know? Yeah. So I think that's just important to keep in mind. Yeah, no, I honestly, a, a really good like exercise that, like I I like doing sometimes just for fun is to take just a couple minutes out of a TV show or a movie or a podcast that you really enjoy and try writing that like a section of dialogue as if you were like the author of that story writing that scene. Mm, And like, if you want to do that with like the last four minutes of audio then you will see exactly how boring it gets when you write every little side street and stutter in a series of utterances, which, by the way, is really interesting. I didn't know that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Oh, my God. My degree. It's coming to use at last. I knew linguistics was right. Do you think that's what people go through when they write captions and such closed captions for oh, yeah. television shows? Oh God, shows? yes, yeah. Because yeah. I watch everything in closed captions. Like I can't hear without my closed captions. Same. Yeah. For instance, I have like newer shows. It'll be right spot on to what they're saying. It'll show their pause. It'll show the dashes. Like they're, you yeah. can see that they're thinking the words out. But like if I go back and watch, we all know I'm a huge Golden Girls fan, and, and <laughs> it infuriates me because I watch the Golden Girls on Hulu with uh, closed captions. And they don't type what they're actually saying. It just, oh. it, it's the same sentence, the same idea, but the jokes almost get lost a handful of times because they're just typing, well, they could have said this. This is more, this was briefer. <gasps> this is more concise. Oh my Whatever God. Else. But it, it, it drives me wild because I'm like, that's not what they're saying. You're missing their like organic yeah. dialogue and, and, and you know, their, their conversation with each other. And jokes, I think, are hard with closed captioning already. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's editorial license is what that it, is. It really yeah. is. And like, I've heard some uh, accessibility conversations surrounding closed captions for like hard of hearing people because mm-hmm. they want, they want like good transcription. They want accurate transcription. Like if someone's trailing off, if someone's like stuttering or like kind of tripping over what they're saying, repeating themselves, they want to know what's going on. They, like, yeah. they want to be able to follow because especially like in a TV show where like it's acting, then that's being done on purpose. Right. And I'll see that in like newer shows on Apple TV, like Shrinking, which I highly recommend. But like they really like they'll show in the closed captions, the pauses and the dashes and the stuttering or whatever else. And you can just you still even like looking at the screen, 
you know, even though I can he- I, I can't hear what's going on, it's like I can still read it and I'm getting the same energy from both. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to them going, "Well, they said this, you'll be fine. You you got it." You know, yeah, yeah. With older shows, right. it drives me. Yeah, wild. that sucks. Right. Yeah, it, it totally deprives someone who isn't listening to it with their ears from mm-hmm. of some like nuance of meaning right. yeah and i watch shows in other languages like i watch drag race sweden and drag race uh, espana <sighs> and stuff like that and i'm like is that what they really said because i really only know english oh translation you know? is its own like beast and it has a lot of the same questions but yeah. like with and like that is a just a really interesting area of this topic as a whole because in tv in like audio media, then you do want more of the tripping over more of the more of the like verbal things that go into Mm -hmm. just talking. But if you put all of that in like a purely written format, you want like a little bit of it. You want you want just enough to show that everybody is a human and not a robot who speaks with perfect grammar all of the time. Yeah. Right. I, I say that about like accents too, mm. where like I hate writing an accent. Like it's, I find it so distracting. And if you're writing their pronunciation into the dialogue and if you're doing it for anyone other than you, it just always comes across sounding prejudice. Like it's, I don't think it's a good method at all. So I, I think the same method is appropriate there. Just like, just like remember to say like in her like French accent or like what every once in a while. It's like it's it's all you need. We can do the rest. Right. The next tip that I want to talk about is is dialogue tags. I know that's not a tip. The tip is do less of them. Yes, please. Honestly, mm-hmm. like it, it's another big hallmark of a novice writer is trying to use any word other than said for every single line of dialogue. Like if you're familiar with the uh, infamous Harry Potter fan fiction, My Immortal, it was kind of famous for this. Like really? He whimpered. Yeah, I roared. Like that's, that is an actual quote (laughs) that has been burned into my brain for 20 years. Like don't, (laughs) don't do that. Just say said, just say said people's eyes will glaze right over it. Yours have been doing it for years and you haven't even noticed if you're going to use anything else, you have to really earn it. That's, that is the tip. That's it. I think that like said, asked, responded are Mm -hmm. all like pretty answered. Those are all pretty standard. Like I, I like, but like it's when you get into these jazzy ones the point of this specific podcast episode is do less because people can keep track of who's talking better than you give them credit for. Yes. Yeah, and I'd like to jump in on that too, as uh, someone who ends up laying out the book and uh, ends up making corrections through as the book is seen, you know, and book form um, is that if you can drop the dialogue tags, please do, because I know I've had, one book in particular, which I will not call out specifically, of course that not. I received like a nine or ten pages worth of corrections, and sixty to eighty percent of the corrections were change she said to Jan said, change Jan said to she said. Well, so it, and that's that's uh, an interesting n- note, Mike, because some uh, like a dialogue tag like she said is meaningless because if you already know who she is, that then you then you know she's talking. Like right. you don't Yeah, and it's a full page of conversation and it's back and forth. So you already know that when the next dialogue starts that it's the other person responding to the previous dialogue. And wasn't so that one two women talking? 
Uh, yes. And so it, the, the whole thing is she said. Yeah, and it was very confusing. And I will say for someone who had to make all these corrections in book form, obnoxious. It was obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. It's hard as a writer, but you simply must trust your readers. It's the still it's this delicate balance because especially with like sci-fi fantasy, a lot of the time I find myself being like, whatever you're thinking, we're not seeing in here on the page. Mm-hmm. This is like the flip is like you really do have to trust that your reader can follow a scene. They read assume your reader reads other books, because if they don't, why are they reading your book? They can keep track of like what is happening in front of them. Yeah, so give do them some less. Credit. Give them some credit, give them some work. You mm-hmm. you're you want to read this? Okay, where's Emily standing? Where is she? Right. <laughs> What's she saying? <laughs> <laughs> to wrap up writing organic dialogue, the final thing that I want to tell you guys is the also the first thing we told you, which is the only real way to to be real with yourself about if your dialogue is organic is to read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Like literally read it out loud. Is it organic? Does it sound like words that you would say when they come out of your mouth? We alluded to this. We talked about this just a little bit earlier, but like if you're writing some kind of like historical fiction or something where you feel like you need the language to be really pompous and pretentious, first of all, consider not doing it that way. Consider using your language and having a better time with it. Um, And then two, I just still feel like you should be able to read it aloud and have it sound organic in your mouth, even if you're putting on some kind of an air, like an actor. Yeah. I don't know. It should sound like things that people would say. Really, you should read your whole book aloud because you have some wonky sentences that you aren't noticing. <laughs> and you'll you'll mm-hmm. only really, like, that's a great way to find when you're using too many of the same word too close together mm. is if you're reading it out loud or, like, if your sentences are getting too long. Like, that's, it's, I recommend yeah. reading everything out loud, but definitely dialogue. Honestly, like, any new format that you can see your work in. Like we've talked about this uh, with graphic design stuff. Uh, Like Mike, you'll, you'll often find that like a lot of authors when they see their book for the first time in a new layout, like it's been in a word document and now it's in a layout. Suddenly they're spotting little things because they kind of just didn't see it anymore. Like they just stopped Mm -hmm. seeing it in the word document and suddenly they're seeing everything just slightly different shapes for the letters and all of a sudden it's it's a whole new world and audio like say saying it out loud is the same thing Mm -hmm. another technique we've discussed on this pod is you can put it in comic sans (laughs) (laughs) that wasn't my suggestion thank Mm. you grace (laughs) was that her yeah that's that's a bold choice but it is a choice Mm -hmm. or like pull it put it in what's it called like chiller Put it in some kind of creepy, weird font. And then you'll really notice what you wrote down. Yeah. And that's how you book. This episode was written and edited by me, Christina Kahn. Our special guest was Haley Simkiss from Brandy Lane Publishers. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at wildlingpress.com.